it's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insights, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. And greetings and felicitations, children of technology. This is Tom Scarda. Welcome to the Franchise Academy Podcast. And I have a really special show for you today. This is all about inspiration. A couple of months ago, I was listening to my friend Marianne Maizano's uh, Facebook show that she does. And I heard this lady on the air live. Her name is Allison Topperwine. And she had such an inspirational story. It's not about franchising today. It's really about inspiration and overcoming obstacles. Allison, is she lives in Texas, and she went from a happy, regular life, you know, married with a new kid, and then her whole world turned upside down. And she got really sick, got really uh, in a, just a really bad place that she'll she'll. T- tell us all about it and then came back with a vengeance and turned the whole world around for her and i thought it was so inspirational i wanted to bring her in so with no further ado is allison are you on the line i am thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it tom this is just you know you have such an amazing story i feel like i have to share it with you know the the listeners here at the franchise academy i thought it was so awesome yeah, I, I saw this thing about, you know, a cat in your life that changed your life. And it was just so inspiring. And then you became a ninja warrior. So so tell us, what what happened? 2014, you had a regular life and then everything collapsed, you told me. And I heard you say it. What happened? You know, as you mentioned, um, I was a normal housewife. You know, I had had a career and then I got pregnant and had a beautiful baby. And that was in 2010. So my life was going great, or so I made it appear. And August 1st of 2014, I, in the middle of the night, left my husband. You know, it was just a toxic situation. I, packed as much stuff as I could in the car, packed my four-year-old again in the middle of the night, my two dogs, and we went to my dad's. So that was August 1st. Within the next two and a half months, I sold my home. I moved in with my dad, my daughter, and myself. I got a divorce by myself on uh, October 17th. Uh, then two and a half months after that, I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So for those of you that don't know, Parkinson's is typically what you hear about in older individuals. An elderly white male is the stereotypical person with Parkinson's. I was 37. So what prompted me to go to the doctor in the first place was I as soon as my daughter was born or at the end of my pregnancy, back in 2010, I began having a tremor in my left arm. And so it was very infrequent. I was able to hide it for many years. And then when I left my husband, the, you know, I was a child of divorce. So that was never something that I wanted, much less to put a child through. 
So I became very depressed, very, um, you know, just it, it really threw my world into, you know, a spin. I didn't have a job. I had freelanced, but, you know, I was an unemployed housewife with, you know, a young daughter. And my symptoms went from being able to hide them to I went from 123 pounds at five foot seven to 100 pounds. My arm, my left arm became unusable. In order to move it, to pick it up, I had to pick it up with my right hand and move it. I drug my left foot. I began to slur. I, and slurring was a huge thing because I used to be in TV. I was a TV reporter and um, hosted TV shows and commercials. And all of a sudden I became unemployed, mm. unemployable right? because, right. you know, what I used to be able to do very easily was, you know, difficult it at best. Gone. Yeah, yeah, it was gone. And, and then, and then I began choking. I began choking on food, on water and on air. And so through that, my family urged me. It became not a if, it became a must to go to the doctor. Right. So they did a battery of tests. And you know, I was sent to a neurologist very early on. And the first visit he took me to, or I went to, he did a battery of tests. And at the end of the, the day, like literally, I was there for about eight hours. And he poked and prodded and I did all kinds of, um, you know, went into like an MRI, a CAT scan, all kinds of stuff. And he looked at me and he said, you've got an interesting case. You've got Parkinsonian symptoms, but I don't think you have Parkinson's and I think I can fix you. So I walked out of that meeting, that appointment with my head held high. And I said, I've got something that can be beat. And I remember even watching Michael J. Fox, who is very famous for having Parkinson's. And I saw a commercial and I got very smug, which makes me very humble now. And I said, huh, at least I don't have what that guy has. So December 3rd, I went into his office again by myself because I was like, I got this. He said he can fix me. And he took about two looks at me and said, I think you have Parkinson's. And my world was just rocked. Mm -hmm. I thought, how am I going to take care of my daughter? How am I going to survive? Like, what is my life expectancy? What is the quality of my life expectancy? Like, this is a death sentence. And all that goes through your mind just in like, you know, a second, right? Right. The the cat actually uh, comes into play because... I found this cat the very next day, this kitten. And at first I thought she was a rat. She was at um, my shop. So I, I moved in with my dad. He started, um, I was working for him, you know, remotely part-time, but I began, I became his VP, his office manager. You know, I was his right-hand man. So that gave me a little bit of purpose. And I walked into the shop to kind of rally the troops. And I saw this, you know, hopping bunny or rat. <laughs> and I took a closer look and it was a little kitten. And I'm like, wait a minute, cats aren't supposed to hop. And so I took it to the vet 
and uh, turns out this little eight-week-old kitten had two crushed hips. So here I was broken. My cat's broken. And that's, this is when the two of us began our journey. The month of December of 14 was pretty depressing. I had this looming diagnosis. He wasn't going to diagnose me immediately because I'm a 37-year-old white female, which doesn't fit in, like I said, the demographic of an elderly man. So I had to take a DAT scan. And because I had credit insurance at the time, I had a $5,000 deductible. And here I am, newly divorced. You know, I'm, I'm living with my dad and he's employing me, but I'm not making a whole lot of money. Right. And so I had credit health insurance. And so I had a $5,000 deductible that I had to meet. And I'd already paid, you know, several hundred dollars towards MRIs and office visits and this and that. So I was like, okay, I need to have the stat scan to determine whether I have Parkinson's or not. I'm going to get it done by, before the end of the year so that I don't have to start over with a $5,000 deductible and meet that as, you know, in 2015. Sure. So I have the DAT scan set up for the 30th. And then my diagnosis was the very next day, which is New Year's Eve. Go in the 31st and look at my doc. And I said, tell me, just tell me, I have to hear it. Just tell me. And he's like, what do you think you know? And I said, I know I have Parkinson's. And that's when he held my hand and he said, yes, I do believe you have Parkinson's. And so. So now it's New Year's Eve. It's and you're New Year's Eve. Yep. I'm getting this news by myself. My dad and my daughter are in the lobby. I proceed to tell my dad in the car that his daughter has a progressive non-curable disease that will most likely be the death of me. As to when, who knows? So. I curl up in the bed at about 8 p.m. with my daughter. And I put my daughter, myself, and the year 2014 to bed. And the funny thing was, that started not only a new year, but it gave me a new beginning. Mm -hmm. And on January 1st of 2015, I rose with the sun. I put my feet firmly on the ground. And I said, this is not going to be the death of me. I will overcome this. And, you know, my faith has really been at the helm of all of this. Yeah. So I feel like I had two little angels. One was my brother. One was my cousin. And on January 2nd, so two days after I've been di diagnosed my brother calls me up that morning and he is never calls. He never calls me. So he calls me up and he's like, you can write a book about this. He's like, you're smart. You're a writer. You need to write a book about this. Go to Walmart, get a pad. He was very specific. He's like, get a steno pad and write this stuff down, write everything down because you could write a book about this. So your cousin called you and what did he, it was he or she? It was he. And he called me and he said, he told me the exact same thing that my brother told me. He said, you need to write this stuff down. You should start a blog. And I had this website that 
was just sitting there. I bought this website because when I was married, when I was a stay-at-home mom, I began making homemade skincare in my kitchen. And what do women want to do? They want to be beautiful. They want to radiate. They want to be lit from within. Mm-hmm. So I had purchased this website, litwithin.net, and I had it sitting there for several months. And so January 4th, four days after I was diagnosed, I began litwithin.net. Mm-hmm. And that became my personal journey with Parkinson's. So people could go to litwithin.net? At this point, um, they can actually go to litwithin.net.com and litwithinblog.com. Oh, okay, cool. And it's lit as in L-I-T? Yes. Right? Litwithin, W-I-T-H-I-N.com. And everything is directed uh, to there. Sure. Okay. So um, I began my personal journey online, but and I told my family, but I did not tell anybody else. I didn't go on social media. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I was not, I was only on social media to stalk people. <laughs> I wasn't on social media to broadcast my life because I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I had a, a tremor. I had now a disease. I was wow. embarrassed that I got divorced. Um, it was very embarrassing for me. A lot of, sh- a lot of shame, right? Is yes. That what you feel? Is that what you felt? Yes. I mean, I had only presented what most people do, what I wanted people to perceive of me, what I wanted them to see of me. And what I had wanted them to see is a woman that had the perfect family. You know, she had a husband that loved her and came home to her every night and um, made really good money. And none of that was true. <laughs> um, you know, I wanted them to think that I was the perfect mom and was witty and, you know, all of these things that we think of in society. And, you know, that's just not reality. Right. So I was writing all these things down my thoughts, my feelings, and my niece about two weeks into it broadcast it on Facebook. <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, oh, I'm not ready for that. But you know what? That was the best thing for me. Yeah. And so, you know, I hadn't told my ex-husband. In fact, it was not until nine months later that I actually told my husband, ex-husband, uh, should I say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just began journaling. And within month three or four I had already amassed several hundred followers of my blog and I was getting contacted by uh, nonprofits for Parkinson's like APDA, which is American Parkinson's disease association. And um, it it just grew from there. Yeah, I, I would say so. So I went to Joseph Jankovic who is a doctor at Baylor College of Medicine. And full disclosure, I now work for Baylor College of Medicine in the Cancer Center. Uh-huh. But um, I, I work now here because of him. And I went to him the very first time and he looked at me and he said, yes, I do believe you have Parkinson's. Start moving because exercise is the only thing proven to slow the progression. 
So I thought, hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Out of this entire process of being out of control, completely and utterly out of control, here's something I can actually control. So I began working out. Here, here I was, 100 pounds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my balance is way off. And, you know, I have no energy because I'm so underweight. But I slowly began working out. So I went to the track and I walked and I kind of jogged and I slowly built up. And then I started doing bleachers. And I ended up by the end of the summer of 2015, I was running a lap and um, I actually entered a, a little alumni track meet and I won. I won the 400 uh-huh. I beat men, women, and children. And I got a trophy and I was like, this is fun. In Texas, we float rivers. You get in an inner tube, you bring a cooler beer and you get drunk on the river. That's just <laughs> a thing. So as you're I'm floating down the river with a friend, we, you run into people that are strangers and you carry on conversations. And so I uh, met a couple and he was in the military and he said, you look fit. Why don't you do a mud run with us? It's going to be me and a bunch of guys. And there's going to be this, you know, six foot four Adonis there. And he's a doctor. He's single. And I'm like, sign me up. I'm I'm single. Six (laughs) foot Adonis doctor. Okay, sign me up. So I was going to do this. And if I was going to do this and meet a six foot four Adonis doctor, I need to be in tip top shape. So I thought, you know, this is a lot of upper body. I've never done anything like this. And so I said, I probably need to do a pull up. So I went to the gym. It was a Sunday afternoon and I attempted my very first pull up and I didn't do one pull up. I did five in a row. Oh, wow. And I got through and I thought that's that's that was pretty easy. So I went back the next day and I talked to the gym owner and I was like, can you do um, some video for me? Because at this point, the cat's out of the bag. I'm all over social media. You know, hey, this is who I am. Accept me for who I am. And I, I've gotten great response. So I post this video of me doing uh, seven pull-ups. And I got a lot of response from that. And so I went and posted some more videos of me playing on my daughter's jungle gym at school. And I started getting more angels who were talking to me. And they said, you look like an American Ninja Warrior. And I'm like, what is that? I'd never seen an episode on TV. I, when I was in my depression state, I stopped watching TV. And I just found that I didn't pick it up at pick it back up when my mood changed because I had other things going on, you know? Right. So I went to YouTube and I saw Casey Catanzaro, this little five, less than five foot phenom who beat the course at city finals in Dallas. And I was like, I could do that. You know, Nowhere in my mind did it say, this is dangerous. This is not for a 37-year-old woman who has Parkinson's. (laughs) Um, I just said, I can do that. I um, 
thought, well, let me let me do this mud run and see how it goes. And then and then I'll think about trying out. So I get ready for the mud run and I end up waking up in the middle of the night, two weeks prior to the mud run in incredible pain and I'm bleeding. I passed five kidney stones in the two weeks leading up to the race. The last kidney stone was on Wednesday and the race was on Saturday. Man, talk about obstacles. (laughs) Well, it continues. I had tendonitis in both hips. My Parkinson's, which is made worse when it's cold. And on Saturday, the weather was 50 degrees and rainy. So it's chilly and wet. Chilly yep. to, to you because you're a northerner. But yeah. to me, 50 degrees is cold in Texas. Yeah. So you know what? I went. And did I meet my Adonis? No. Did <laughs> I meet the guy I met on the river? No. I ran by myself. And it sucked. And I thought, I will never do this again. Wow. Was that a tough mudder race? No, it was called the Savage Race. Okay. And it's seven miles, 30 obstacles, and much tougher than the Tough Mudder because I've actually done a couple of those. Oh, okay, cool. It's just Tough Mudder as a franchise now, but... Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So uh, the Savage Race was my first mud run, and it's uh, for, quote unquote, military type <laughs> people uh, they pride themselves on obstacles right it took me two and a half hours to turn my lips from blue to (laughs) pink and the next day i woke up and i was a little bit sore but i was pretty proud that i had accomplished that i ended up finding out that i was with all those obstacles i came in fourth in my age division wow and with over 1,500 people, mainly men, I came in in the top 13% overall. Wow. That's awesome. So I applied to be on American Ninja Warrior at the beginning of 2016. And four months later, they called me up. A year and four months after I was diagnosed, I competed as the first person with Parkinson's oh, on wow. American Ninja Warrior. Applied the next year and um, competed that year as well. And uh, I actually inspired several other people uh, to start doing ninja, you know, young onsets or what we're, we're called, we're referred to. Mm-hmm. People that are under 50 years old um, that have Parkinson's. And now there's a, a gentleman, Jimmy Toy, who... Uh, he competes for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. They they do fundraising now um, with American Ninja Warrior. That's cool. So it really gave me got me to a place where I thought, okay, so now what? Not not okay. Let's let's call it a day. But now what? I want to draw. Mm-hmm. I'd always been creative in the past. But I had never been artistic, what I considered artistic. I would uh, do DIY crafts. I would um, redo furniture, but never like put pen to paper or pencil to paper. I did my first drawing and I thought, hmm, that's, that's not bad. 
And I began drawing and posting those on social media. And people were like, man, these are really good. Who taught you? And I'm like, I've never taken an art lesson before in my life. Wow. I thought, you know, I want to write a book. But I'm, you know, at this point, 38, 39, I didn't want to write autobiography because that there's an end to that. Mm-hmm. And I... I don't want to end anything. You know, I'm not ready to go just yet. Right. right. So that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to write a children's book and I'm going to illustrate it. And so that brings me back to my cat. Mm -hmm. And her name is Mira. M-I-R-A. Short for miracle. Uh. And so the premise of the book is actually based upon our lives. And how we found each other, both broken, her hips, my brain. We, along the way, we both grew up. The little cat with a hop, when I took her to the vet, the vet said, well, I could try and do surgery, but there's no guarantee it's going to work or help. So what I would suggest is... You know, it doesn't seem to be painful for her. I would just suggest, you know, giving her lots of love and watching her grow up. She's probably going to be just a lame little kitty. Hmm. And I saw this cat as I blossomed. She would run up the stairs. She was a shop kitty uh, at my dad's uh, business. And she would run up a ladder quicker than you could ever imagine. A lame. There was nothing lame about this cat. Yeah, no one told her that she couldn't. Exactly. So I was about to move. By this point, I had uh, gotten a a full-time job. We went and um, I was in the process of moving and he had sold his business a month before I moved. So Shop Kitty became an outdoor kitty. And she was up on top of my dad's one Uh, story warehouse and I look up and we're calling for I finally hear this meow and I look up and there is Mira on top of this warehouse and my daughter starts panicking oh my gosh mommy how are we going to get her down how are we going to get her down and I said it's okay cats always land on their feet if she got up there she'll get down Mm -hmm. and about that moment like a superhero Mira jumps off of the top of the warehouse. And I say like a superhero because that is in the book. And it's like she had a cape on, which is my illustration. She's floating in the air. And as expected, or I expected, she landed on all four paws and sweetly said, meow. (laughs) Amazing. What Mira taught me and what I realized through my own journey is while initially we were broken, I thought we were both broken. The vet thought we were broken. My neurologist thought I was broken. Dr. Jankovic didn't. He made sure that by telling me to exercise, by 
you know, nine months within my treatment from him, he wrote on my prescription to take up public speaking. I now am a keynote speaker. He taught me and I learned on my own through my experience and Mira's experience that you are only broken if you believe it and you are what you believe. And so we are not broken. We are whole all by ourselves. And my daughter's name coincidentally means whole or complete. My idea is for kids to really learn that. Absolutely. So is, is, what's the name of the book before I forget to ask that? The name of the book is The Mira Cat. And uh, like I said, I'm in the process of publishing it. So I got this idea to include with the book a little stuffy, a, a little stuffed animal that's the Mira Cat with her cape on. Hmm. And the concept is, you know, when a child is going through something difficult, whether it be life, whether it be going into the hospital, whether it be having a, a big exam, and they're just not sure of themselves, maybe they're bullied and they're feeling broken because everyone at one time or another, no matter your age, you go through a time where you feel broken. Yeah. To have a mira cat that you can love on and squeeze and they're soft, it's just a good reminder, a textile reminder to say, you know what? I'm not broken. And if mira cat can show her bravery, if mira cat can do it, so can I. Yep. And you can't listen to, you know, the naysayers, right? I mean, that that's what I, you know, what I'm taking away is the, the fact that you know, you could do anything you want to do. And, and it's a, just an awesome story how you went from broken to full and whole. And the the faith, I think, is really a big part of the message as well. And the Absolutely. miracle cat. That's, that's awesome. Absolutely. So, you know, no matter if it's, I mean, I, I believe in God, but you have to believe in something in order to thrive in life. Right. You got to have a why. You got to have a purpose. Exactly. You know, and I never told myself it can't be done. Tell us how we could get in touch with you. If somebody's listening to this and they want to find out more about your story or what have you, what's the best way to contact you? My email address is lit, L-I-T, at litwithin.net. And my blog is on litwithin.com. Okay. And and those are going to be on our website, thefranchiseacademy.com. And I would like to thank you so much, Allie, for being on the show. And any parting words of advice? You know, business is very personal. You know, people say it's just business. It's not personal. No, if you're in business for yourself, it's very personal. Because mm-hmm. you, you need to put all of yourself into that whether it's franchising or going at it alone. And so my, my takeaway would be never tell yourself no. When people say you can't do something, I love when people say you can't do that mm. because I say, watch me. That's right. There's nothing I can't do. That's so inspiring. 
Allie, thank you so much for your time and for coming on with us. This is uh, a little departure from, you know, regular stuff at the Franchise Academy, but the story I think is so great. And just a reminder, if you're listening, you know, you can do anything. Don't listen to the naysayers. They don't know what's in your heart. And just do what you got to do because people are waiting to hear you. So write the book, write the song, do what you need to do. And prove Um, them wrong. Prove them wrong, number one. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Allison. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Tom. You have a fantastic day. Thank you. You too. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration. Inspiration.